Hello and welcome back to the Daily Study of the Way of Mastery. I'm Jason Amoroso, your guide and friend. I'm so excited for you to be here. Lesson four, following the thread of desire. Section two, desire is everything. And we're going to look at paragraph, we're going to start with paragraph 12 and probably just do 12 and 13. Uh, Have a nice little short episode today. So Jeshua continues, if you were to walk down one of your city streets and to truly look into the eyes of everyone you see, would you not recognize that death seems to have already made a home in the minds of many that are living? Death of dreams, death of hope, death of worthiness, death of playfulness. Death of true power and death of union with their source and creator has already taken place. Everyone who reads these words has had this experience of seeing this in others. And I, for me, I would say I've had this experience myself where it's like stagnant. You know, he talked to Jeshua talks about in our previous episode, like the flow and the movement that that this desire wants to move. And when things don't move, they become stagnant. And I, I think about when, you know, I love traveling, not like, well, I love traveling to like on vacation when we went to France and it was amazing seeing different cultures and experiences, different foods and just it's fun. It's cool. And I love traveling for work as well. Just anytime I get into an airport and it's like, what? You love airports? And yes and no. Like my human self doesn't like airports. It doesn't like being around so many people. But what I love about it is it's so easy for me to be in my bubble. I love our home. I love where we live. Like I don't really get out much because I love it. Like we live in a beautiful, natural area with trees and flowers and we inherited this home where we bought a home, but the previous owner took amazing care of the grounds and so put a lot of energy and love into the landscaping and it's beautiful. Now I'm not really good at landscaping, so it's gone a little bit, but it still looks really nice. And the previous owner put in a two-tiered waterfall that runs 24-7 and just being out on our deck uh, is just sitting there in the mornings, the birds. It's just beautiful. So I don't – my point is I live in my bubble. I work in my office from home primarily and I talk about the same things every day because I love doing this work in the way of mastery. I love our work in Revelation Breathwork, which is the work of – this beautiful practice that helps people get out of their head and their ego identification and their problems and their pains and their shames and their anger and drop into love and open their heart and remember who they are. And the work that I do with professional athletes, which is like ninja work of the same thing, getting beyond your fears, being in the moment, knowing who you are and why you're really playing sport, not just to be good or make a lot of money, but to like have the sport and your life be an expression of who you are and what's important to you and your light being expressed. I don't use those words with athletes, but that's like the energy that I bring which just goes to show you can be a quote-unquote healer in whatever profession and job that you have as long as you are bringing – like when you bring love and your light into a a place, that brings healing energy to people. Even if they don't realize it or recognize it or say like, oh my god, I feel so good when I'm around you. Just you being the light brings healing. Healing is loving. Only love heals. And it's so much more than what you can see or be aware of in your mind. So anyways – There's a lot of nuggets there and a lot of things there. But going back to what Jeshua was saying, yeah, when I travel, getting out of my bubble, I see how many people are not like me. And that's great. Who are are not interested in the things that I'm interested in and who 
have bought into the programming of the the outside world. This is how you need to live your life. Just watch the news, pay attention to like the prevailing narrative of life. You got to go to school, get a good education, get a good job, be secure, buy a house, have kids, uh, obey authority, like all of these things get in the rat race, want more, get into debt. Like this is how we live life. This is what people do. Right. Just like and then don't follow what brings you alive. Follow the security. You know, you got to get into finance, get into law, get into medicine to make money and have a secure future. Don't get into poetry or art or entrepreneurship or the things that excite and bring you alive. You got to be in one place and have a job. Don't go out and travel and, and see the things and not have money. What are you doing? Don't just, you know, go place to place, not knowing exactly, you know, where your 401k is or how you're going to, you know, eat or where you're going to stay. Right. That's so much of the world is put into this system, this machine. And it's been designed that way by so many people who have the quote unquote power in the world. And Jeshua is inviting us to wake up to our own power and we can be in the world, but not of the world. And we can live by our own sovereignty, not uh, not at the mercy of the powers and authorities of the world. Anyways, getting back to this, so many people have have uh, given up on their dreams, the death of dreams. I can't do that. That's not practical. That's not realistic. I don't see how I can make money and support a family that way. The death of dreams, the death of hope. This world is screwed. Look at all the pain. Look at all the suffering. Look at all the world wars. Look at all the this and then that. This world's giving up hope. The death of worthiness. Ah, nobody loves me. I'm alone. You know, all these, the death of worth. I can't have what I want. I'm not worthy of the, the job or the work or the partner or the money or the, the peace that I want. That's for other people, not of me. The death of playfulness, life's very serious. The death of true power, the power is out there. It's not inside of me. The death of union with source, I feel so separate. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get to God. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be happy, but when it's in the next thing. It's always in the next thing. Or for even for people on the healing journey, I'm not healed yet. I'm not fully healed there. When I get there, I'll know it. I'll feel it. The death of union with source has already taken place. You can see it in the eyes. You can see it in the, the way people carry their bodies. You can see it in, the, in their languaging, the little snarky, sarcastic comments that they make about other people who are living in their aliveness. We can all relate to it. We can all relate to it. So there's no judgment. It's just acknowledging what Jeshua is saying. And I wrote here at one point, I want to wake them up or at least – because then that's like my agenda. At least, I wrote, invite them to wake up if they want to. If they want to join my party, which is the, the party of Jeshua, this powerful, creative, loving, joyful party that's happening all the time. If they want to join it, that's what I'm about. That's my invitation. You don't have to. You don't need to. But that's what I'm about. If you want to join, you want to wake up, you want to follow your desire, what brings you alive and do that no matter what your brain or your practical thing looks like. If your brain gets so scared doing that, build a bridge. I've done both. I've taken the leap of faith and it was scary, but it worked out and I've built the bridge from one. And I'm talking about work and career and kind of money and livelihood that in that in that scenario, 
I've built the bridge and made this transition. It took longer than I wanted to, but it happened. And that's what I want to help people do. That's what I'm about. I'm inviting anyone to the party. And we do that revelation breath work. I do that in my coaching work. Like That's my mission. That's what this is about. This work inviting you to the party through the way of mastery. Paragraph 13, Jeshua says, healing requires the willingness to feel desire, to see it as good and to see it as holy. Does not that mean if you feel a desire that it might not become twisted by the egoic patterns in your mind? Of course not. There's always the possibility that desire will be twisted to meet the needs of the egoic mind within you. But rest assured, if it does, who's done it? You. I got excited because it does have an exclamation point there. You, always within you, you have known that desire is good, but you suppressed it. Those times when desire came forth and you let it become twisted into serving the goals of the ego, you always knew perfectly well what you were doing. You were the decision maker. There's so much to unpack here. So let's unpack it bit by bit and see how deep we want to go. Because I could probably, we could probably talk about this for an hour, but we're not going to. Let's look at the first sentence, which I have highlighted and underlined. Healing requires the willingness to feel desire. It, he doesn't say healing requires feeling your desires. It's just the willingness. And I think that's meeting us where we're at. It's like just open the door a tiny bit. You don't have to blast it wide open. If you can't access your desires and really feel them, that's okay. But just be willing to ask, hey, uh, hey, Holy Spirit, like, like help me access. I'm willing to just feel the desire, even a little bit. So healing requires the willingness to feel desire, the willingness to see it as good. It doesn't seem good to my brain. It seems scary. But I'm willing to see it as good and to see it as holy. That desire within me is holy, that it's of the divine. It's of God. It's of the Holy Spirit. It's whole. Does that not mean that if you feel desire, a desire, that it might not become twisted by the egoic patterns of your mind? Of course not. So Jess, you're saying that's what the ego does. It takes it takes what's good and twists it and perverts it and uses it for its own needs, its own uh, uses of separation, of fear, of lack, of unworthiness. You can take a desire and the ego is going to use it for one purpose and the Holy Spirit's going to use it for another purpose. Which one you focus on and which one you want to perceive and bring into manifestation is your power and your choice. That's what Jeshua is always saying. So it's okay if you notice, if you're like, oh, I notice there's a part of me that wants to use this desire for not good. But as Jeshua talked about two episodes ago, mastery is noticing the desire maybe even feeling it, and then knowing that you have the power, you are the power to choose if you'll act on it and bring it into manifestation. So don't be afraid of your desires. The ego is going to try and twist it. That possibility is very real, Jeshua says, but rest assured, even if it does, who's done it? You, because the ego is not separate from you. It's just a part of you. It's just a tiny mad idea. We have lots of ideas. But the ego is the tiny mad idea that we've given all our focus and attention to and identified as. It's like the tiny pimple 
as Jeshua says, I think, in A Course in Miracles, it's like the pimple, the blemish on the the face of God that we're like, oh, my God, we can't stop looking at it and identifying with. So the ego is part of the whole thing. It's part of it. You don't have to give it tons of value and attention, though. You can just see it and move on and make a different choice. So Jeshua even brings the ego back to empowerment. It's you. Always within you, always you have known that desire is good, but you suppressed it. You suppressed this idea, this truth that desire is good. You were afraid of it, of your own desires. Oh my God, what if I quit? What if I like really start to feel this desire that I don't like my job? It's it's supporting my family. It it it, it gives me value in in my family. My parents approve of it. Society approves of it. I wanted to be a GM of a baseball team. That's a very acceptable and and I don't know if noble is the right word, but like, ooh, that's like a big ambition. You know, it's for people that like sports, for people that don't care about sports, who cares? It's like if you're like, I want to be the curator of a museum, like, I, like, cool, that's good. Do you. That doesn't excite me. But like for people who like sports, being a general manager of a team is like, ooh, so that it had that like appeal to it. And I also liked a lot of things about it. It's creative. It's challenging. You're building something. There's a lot of cool things about it. And then there's like the status piece of it. So the ego can use all of your desires like, oh, but what will that mean about me? What will it say about me? Like you can't get too big. All of these things. I can't leave this this track I'm on to be a GM, which I felt like I was. I was in the very beginning of it, but I was on that track to be a GM. I have no doubt if I stayed on that track, I'd be a GM right now. I have none, none. But I left it. And a part of me was like, you're crazy. What are you doing? There's only – and I was at the LA Dodgers. It's one of the biggest teams in sports. Now, I don't know if I would have been a GM at the Dodgers, but like to leave that was like crazy to so many people. To what? And I quit. I didn't have another job lined up. I After I quit the Dodgers, I was unemployed for – I quit in February. I was unemployed until November, nine months of being unemployed at like, what, 25? A lot of people said I was irresponsible. A lot of people said I was stupid. A lot of people said I didn't know what I was doing. And in many ways, those that, that was – in many ways, that was kind of true. But I was like – I was – I knew that I couldn't stay there. Something else was calling me. I couldn't do soul-crushing work. At that time at the Dodgers, I was an attorney doing contracts, sponsorships. Oh, where does the signage go for Farmer John's hot dogs? Am I going to do that for my whole life? Are you kidding me? No. When what was really happening was as I was going through my master's in spiritual psychology and learning what it meant to hold space and learning what it meant for this to see people as divine, that there's a spark within them that wants to come alive and be expressed in the world and for so many through the work that they're doing and people would come into my office that worked at the Dodgers like me, like this is a great job. This is a great opportunity. Be crazy to quit this. They're like, I don't like this, this environment, this industry. It's, it's, it's not for me, but I don't know how to get out of it. And I wouldn't coach them on getting out of it. I would, I would just hold space for them and listen to them because I was kind of in the same boat as them. Like, yeah, there's something more. So anyways, where did I get off on that tangent? <laughs> uh, the suppressing of desire. And Jeshua says, those times when desire came forth and you let it become twisted into serving the goals of the ego, you always knew perfectly well what you were doing. Maybe consciously you didn't, but at the soul level, you did. At the at the higher self level, you did because you know that you're powerful. And we come into this experience through the veil of forgetfulness. And Jeshua's waking us up with this teaching. 
You were the decision maker. He always brings it back to you and your empowerment, nothing. I'm looking at my whiteboard. I am literally the creator of what I experience. So I must have chosen on some level this experience. Why might that be? Those are great questions to ask. What and then what new if I don't like this, what new choices can I make? What if born of desire? What new choices can I make that bring me alive? If I don't like the feeling of living in lack all the time and looking for sales and deals and trying to get money and not want to give money and want to seem generous but not feel generous and like all of those things that I felt in the past, like if I don't like that, what do I desire? I desire abundance. I desire overflow so I can share from overflow. So I can know that my source wells from within me. It's not out in a job, in a dollar, in a in a, in a customer, in a sale. It it a sale like selling things, not like a boat. It wells from within me. I it is in me. It is me. I am it. And that's how we manifest from the ocean of desire to create the wave. I love you guys. Love you guys. We're on this journey together. It is a beautiful thing. We're desiring this. That's why we're here together. If you get value from this, like, subscribe, share with somebody who you think would be interested in this. And you might share it from them and they might be like, nah, not for me. Or you might share it with somebody and you may never hear like anything from them. They may never say I listen to it. They may never listen to it. It's okay, but you're sharing from the heart. That's what matter. It's the thought that counts in the gift giving. At least that's what I like to think. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to send me a note, hello at Revelation Breathwork, drop me an email. Let me know you're listening. Just be like, hey, I'm listening. That's it. That makes my day. Um, cool. We'll see you tomorrow.